Hey, and welcome once again to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman, pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship in Longview, Washington. And today we're continuing in the book of John. And uh, and last week we concluded, and that seems weird maybe to some of us to say we concluded John chapter 7. Now, if you were with us last week, we looked at John chapter 7 up through verse 52. And you might be looking at your Bible and you might say, well, you said we concluded it, but there's a 53rd verse. Well, there is a 53rd verse. In fact, uh, John 7, verse 53, all the way through John 8, verse 11. These are verses that are, these are verses that are potentially um, and most likely, these are most likely a scribal edit, an addition of a story that's likely been passed on orally about Jesus Christ. But this, these verses, they were not, they're not in the oldest of the manuscripts, there's just a handful of places in all of the scripture where there are doubts about the veracity or the authenticity of the scripture. 99.9% um, of the scripture, it lines up and, and it matches with all the different manuscripts. There's a word here or there that makes no significant change in any meaning, but, uh, but there's a few passages that are a bit more significant, and this is one of them. John chapter 7, verse 53 through John chapter 8, verse 11. And in fact, if you look in your Bible, and uh, we typically use the ESV, but if you look in your Bible, you're going to find this little indicator that says the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. You're going to find this in your Bible. And so for that reason, I, I generally, um, my perspective on this is, I don't think this is actually part of the inspired word of God. I think this was a scribal edit. I think it's a story that was passed down about Jesus that very well could have taken place, but I don't think the Apostle John actually wrote this. And so for that reason, I generally don't use this as a, as a text to teach. Is it insightful? Yes. Is it endearing? Yes. In fact, it's one of the, uh, it's a very beloved story about Christ. But that said, I'm going to fast forward us to verse 12. And if you remember in the context, uh, last week we ended talking about how there was all of this confusion about the identity of Christ, about his, his, who he is and where he came from and whether people should believe in him or not. And if you look at verse 12, verse 12 actually picks up contextually right where we left off, which I think actually adds more, uh, more weight to the perspective that, that chapter 7, verse 53 through 811 is not in the original manuscript. And so that said, today I... Well, that's kind of your, uh, your your preface, but today I really just want to talk about chapter eight, verse twelve. Remember, the, there's uh, all the crowds are debating over whether Jesus is in fact the Christ or if he's the prophet. Uh, the religious leaders hate him; they want the guards to arrest him. The guards will not arrest him. They say he speaks like no one we've ever heard before. And then Nicodemus is like, "Hey, there's a process in place. We should try him according to our laws." And then they just like they dog on Nicodemus. They're like, "Are you from Galilee also?" Right? Well, verse twelve. Here's what we find next. It says, "Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, "I am the light of the world." Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is one of the key themes of the Gospel of John. John writes about light and darkness. We see that in the beginning, John chapter 1, the, the light of life is coming into the world. This is Jesus. The, the Word becomes flesh. This is who he is. We're going to see uh, in John's letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John uses the contrast of light and darkness. And all of this is being built once again upon Jesus' identity. Who is Christ? 
Uh, from the beginning of the Gospel of John, we have seen that Christ, he is the light that has come into the world. He is the light that shines forth into the darkness. He is the light that the darkness cannot overcome. He is the light of the world. And right here, he is publicly proclaiming that. He's saying, I am the light of the world. Listen, whoever follows me, you will not walk in darkness. The one who follows Christ will not walk in the darkened moral code of our world. The one who follows Christ will not walk in darkness saying, how do I figure life out? What am I supposed to do? No, he is the light and he is word. It guides us. We know exactly what it looks like to live a a God-honoring, God-glorifying life. We do this because we walk in light. Because we have the light of life. And I think about uh, some caves that I've been in in the past. If you've ever been down in a cave and you've had that moment where you've, you've taken your flashlights down to the very bottom and there's that moment when everyone turns every single light out and it's just pitch black, total, absolute darkness. That can be a bit of a terrifying reality. But then once you turn that light back on, you, you can see the path that you're meant to walk. You can see that there's hope. You can have direction. This is who Christ is. He is the light of the world. In fact, for us to follow him, he says, whoever follows me, he says, you should not walk in darkness. No. He doesn't say you have the option not to. He says you, you will not walk in darkness. See, believing in Christ, trusting in Christ, that, that means that you are now going to live a completely different way of life. You're to turn away from the darkness. You're to turn away from the, the immoral life. You're to turn away from a, a life of hate or of strife or of anger or of lust or of greed or, or of arrogance or of selfishness. We, we are to turn away from that and instead we are to walk in the freedom that is the light of life. We're to walk in Christ. So our ancient way for our modern day is, it's reminding us of Jesus' identity, but it's also pressing us forward to remember that his identity has a bearing on our life right now. This, this should lead us to ask the question, is there darkness that I'm walking in? Are, are there things in my life that do not align with Christ? Things that I need to no longer walk in and instead I need to walk in the light. Brother or sister in Christ, we all stumble and, and are tempted in many ways. We find it very easy in our hymn of the month at Valley right now. We, we sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Then there's this line, take my heart. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know, today, as we consider Jesus as the light of life, as we consider Jesus calling us to no longer walk in darkness, I want to ask you to be humble and honest before the Lord. Maybe you need to go to him and you already know, say, Lord, I am walking in darkness in this area of my life and I'm turning away from it and I'm turning back toward the grace that it is in Jesus, remembering that he forgives, that he cleanses, that in Christ we have hope and redemption. In Christ we are a new creation. Remember that. Maybe some of us need to go to him right now and say, Lord, is there anything? Is there anything? Will you show me? Will you reveal anything in my heart that is not pleasing to you? Any part of my life that is walking in darkness? And will you in this moment turn away from walking in darkness? And this is our ancient way for our modern day.